Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is Friday. It's the first day of March 2024. I'm Derek Hunter. This is the Derek Hunter Podcast. Welcome to it. And we're going to get you to your weekend as quickly as humanly possible. Man, quick programming note. The uh, past shows with my friend James Golden, Bo Snurdly, had to be deleted from the feed because... The lawyers over at WABC got very upset that I was using, hey, man, this is our stuff. You can't, I'm like, okay, I'm not making any money off it. Just promoting your show. But no, no, no. So they got all pissy and whiny and moany. They get, people need to justify their jobs. So they sent me a cease and desist letter. I wrote them a sarcastic reply back, which they did not appreciate. But I complied with their cease and desist order. And I had a testy, well, it wasn't test. They got pissy. They're joyless. God, what a bunch of joyless people. But so I said, all right, I won't promote anything related. It's fine. Sorry, you don't want a bigger audience outside of New York. You don't like the streaming audience. That's fine. It's not doing me any, you know, favors or whatever. So... Uh, I'm not going to promote it anymore. I'll still do it as long as they'll, as long as James, well, James wants me, but whether or not they'll let me do it, who the hell knows? They don't like comedy. They don't like intelligence. That is an anathema to them, except for in the person of James. And so we'll see. God, what a bunch of dicks. What a serious bag of dicks. Like you sit there and you go, this is your life, man. There's got to be so many other... Uh, fast food would be more appealing than being a corporate suit lawyer going, you know what, somebody's you know, somebody's promoting our stuff, which we want promoted to everybody. We've got to stop them. Oh, well. There you go. So, congratulations. Your law degree paid off. Let's get started, shall Oh, don't forget about the uh, Week in F and Review, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com. Maybe I'll have some more stuff to say about these. Maybe I'll do a dramatic reading of these, of the cease and desist letter. There's nothing more weaselly and whiny than legal language by somebody who, like, clearly has a vitamin D deficiency because they spend a lot of time in the house. Because who wants them out of the house? So, uh, yeah, maybe that, too. We'll see. You never know what's going to happen. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.Locals.com. Let's get moving. A lot has happened since we last spoke. Mitch McConnell has announced that he is going to step down from the leadership position in the Senate amongst Republicans, but not until November, which... It would go. People are going. Why? Why not now? Why not? It makes sense not to do it until November. Let me just talk about this really briefly because it. Um, you do it now. There's a big fight in the Senate. Who's going to be it? There's going to be elbowing. Going to be, who's going to take which position? A bunch of people want it. There's old joke that the House of Representatives is 435 people who think they should be in the Senate. The Senate is 100 people who think they should be president. Senate is, yeah, it's 100 people who think they should be president, but it's mostly people who realize they never will be. And so they want to be as close as they can be, which is the leadership positions in either party. 
So you throw that vacancy in there right now or soon, especially before an election, it just becomes an absolute logistical nightmare. It becomes a cat fight. It becomes a waste of time. It gives Democrats more fodder going, look at Republicans. They can't handle anything. So it makes sense to wait. The position, the job of minority and majority leader in the Senate is much like minority leader and majority leader in the House and Speaker of the House. There are some logistical things that you do, some procedural that you get to assign committees and things like that to your members. But ultimately, it's a fundraising position, especially if you're in the minority if you're in the majority, you can. Chuck Schumer controls what goes on on the floor of the of the Senate, for example. If he doesn't want it on the floor, it'll never get to the floor. There's, no, there's a discharge petition in the House where uh, a majority, if you can get 218 signatures on something, a piece of legislation that would pass were it brought up for a vote. If you can get people to say, I'd vote for this. I should be able to vote for this. If you can get them to sign on to a discharge petition, you can force a vote in the House. There's no similar mechanism in the Senate for that. The majority leader controls all over there. So the minority leader controls fundraising. They control committee assignments. It's a powerful position because you pretty much become the majority leader should your party take over the majority. And frankly, Given which seats are up this time, Republicans have a fairly decent shot of taking over the majority of the Senate. So it's an important position. If there were a big catfight over it right now, Democrats would use it. Look at Republicans are in disarray. Mitch McConnell, for all his faults, and Lord knows he's got them, I will forever be grateful to him for keeping the current Attorney General Merrick Garland off the Supreme Court. You know, you can hate him. I don't care what you think of Mitch McConnell, but just keep in mind that he prevented that. He took all the incoming fire, some from Republicans, to prevent that guy. We're all told he's such a wonderful, nonpartisan, moderate guy. He's right there. He's well respected. He's this, that, and the other thing. He's the salt of the earth. Boy, howdy, he'd give you a kidney. He'd give you half his liver. He would give you his heart if you needed it. And then he gets to be attorney general and he's uh, the biggest partisan hack turning the Justice Department into an appendage of the Democratic National Committee. I'll let you decide which appendage. And you go, huh, that's not what we were told. I ordered a Ferrari online and a Yugo showed up. That, That doesn't seem right. So be grateful to Mitch McConnell for that. And he's leaving. He is recognizing that is at 82 his capacity is diminished. People are saying, well, what if Joe Biden should take his example. Joe Biden should stop wishing for Joe Biden to drop out. Right. I get the instinct. You kind of want to stick the Democrats face into it the way the same, you know, same way like a dog does its business on the carpet. You rub his nose in it and then you throw him outside so he knows that uh, he's got to do it out there. Don't rub their nose in this. Don't try to encourage Joe Biden to drop out. Republicans should be trying to encourage Joe Biden to stay in. When the White House doctors say, we didn't do a cognitive test on Joe Biden because there's no reason to when they're doing his annual physical, 
I get the temptation to make the joke. Well, there's yeah, there's no reason to do a cognitive test. There's no reason to do a, a lice test on somebody who's been beheaded. There's no reason to do a lot of things. Some things are just obvious and unnecessary. But you got to be careful what you wish for. You don't want Joe Biden to drop out. You've estab- we've established full well the fact that Joe Biden has is senile. It's not that he's lost a step, it's that he's lost a few flights of steps, flights of stairs. He's he's lost a few floors. We get it. But if he gets it or somebody gets to him before it's too late for him to drop out, we could end up with a primary. We could end up with a much tougher opponent. Not to say that we're going to have a cakewalk in the fall, but you don't want him to drop out. If you get Gavin Newsom, yeah, there would be disarray in the Democratic Party. There would be absolutely hell to pay. And the, the uh, you'd bypass Kamala Harris, and that would upset the identity politics crowd. They would be absolutely outraged. I get all of that. But they'd mostly come home. They'd mostly come back home by the time November came. Why? Because they've always come back home. Voters have always come back home. They have reason to be out. I mean, for God's sakes, the party of Celebrate Diversity nominated a septuagenarian career politician last time, and they all ran back home because they hate Donald Trump. They bitterly voted for him in some cases. And they would bitterly vote for Gavin Newsom in a lot of cases. But they'd vote against Donald Trump. It's not the the only people that the Democrats would risk losing is the hardcore Democrats. And they're not going to lose the hardcore Democrats. Gavin Newsom is a lying sack of excrement. Not like that's any different or differentiates him from the rest of the Democratic Party, but he's a hell of a campaigner. He is slick as the day is long. Well, he's a used car salesman. You see right through him. Yeah, most people see right through him, but we're not playing for most people. We're playing for 5 to 7% in the middle. Those are the people who are going to decide. You're like, oh, those people are stupid. Maybe. It doesn't change the fact. It doesn't change the fact. So how about... We keep the weakest candidate. We we prop up. We, you know, remind people occasionally that he's senile. When his gaffes come up, show them. But the drumbeat of he's got to go, he's got to go, he should take Mitch McConnell's lead. No, he shouldn't take Mitch McConnell's lead. You want Joe Biden on that ballot. You need Joe Biden on that ballot. Plus, and this is more a point of personal privilege, and I think a lot of people will share it with me, <clears throat> I would very much like... No, love, the satisfaction of beating Joe Biden. Wouldn't you? Don't you want, wouldn't you love knowing that Joe Biden is riding off into the sunset, knowing full well that the American people roundly rejected him, that his four years in the White House will, of course, be cheered by historians because historians are leftists, uh, The progressive gene has metastasized throughout the profession. But with the people, with the people, he will, his contemporaries, and not just in his age group, but the people who lived during his presidency will view him as worse than Jimmy Carter. 
that they resoundly rejected him. That for all the things, because he's going to run on Joe, Donald Trump is unpopular. Donald Trump is, yeah, there's a lot of people who don't like Donald Trump, but they preferred him over you. You take that off into the sunset. Coupled with various investigations, since apparently once somebody leaves office, you're supposed to investigate their family nonstop to the point that they have to declare bankruptcy. And you let Joe Biden, as he slips off into a state of dementia, let that be the last thought he retains. Is it horrible? It's probably horrible. Probably mean of me, but I don't care. (laughs) Honestly, I don't care. So as Mitch McConnell calls it a day, good. It's always good to know when to leave the stage, but you don't want Joe Biden to pick up on it and go, you know what? He's got a point. I'm going to go because it's not going to be Kamala. It's going to be somebody else. And while Joe Biden is personally unpopular and Kamala is wildly unpopular, the only person who makes Joe look popular by comparison, they have other Democrats and they can build other Democrats. They could, for God's sakes, look at what they did with Secretary Mayor Pete. The guy is a disaster. He couldn't build bike paths as mayor of South Bend, Indiana. And yet he's secretary of transportation running around. Roads are racist. And he's not being laughed out of the job. He's being propped up. The media can prop people up. They can take them down. Don't give him a reason to take out Joe because we want him. We need him. So, yeah, be great. I'm grateful that Mitch McConnell was there. Honestly, I don't know who else would have stood up who would have had the I don't care attitude necessary to keep Merrick Garland off the Supreme Court. I have issues with other things he's done, but I don't know how anybody would have done any different. There is actual diversity of thought in the Republican caucus in the United States Senate. There is nothing. The hive mind on the left does not allow for dissent. I guess they have degrees of difference. I want abortion up until the moment of birth. I want abortion up to five minutes after birth. I want abortion until the kid goes off to college. That's, I suppose, the diversity Democrats are willing to tolerate. So let that be a, a, a lesson to you. Never overstay your welcome. Now, speaking of overstaying your welcome, let me make sure this is on mute. It is. This is um, interesting, the reaction to this. Because it was other big news yesterday beyond Mitch McConnell. The Supreme Court, this is from The Hill. The Supreme Court on Wednesday agreed to take up the issue of whether former President Donald Trump can be criminally prosecuted for his efforts to overturn his 2020 reelection loss, setting up a historic case that tests the limits of presidential immunity. First of all, let me just say a word about the framing here as I'm reading this for the first time. It is the common framing. It is the only framing, honestly, about its overturn. He tried to overturn the election results. He tried to overturn the election results. Well, until the Electoral College certified the election results, they certified the Electoral College votes, there was no overturning. It was challenging the election. Did Al Gore try to over? Have you ever heard anybody say that Al Gore tried to overturn or fought to overturn the 2000 election results? He didn't. He 
was he wanted to vote count every vote. He was challenging the vote count. He was this, that, and the other. They still lie and say that he won. No vote count even by the New York Times found that he got a majority of the votes in Florida. But they do not frame it as trying to overturn the results of the election. When Al Franken beat Ron Coleman, Coleman had won on election night. That it was close. Al Franken hired a whole bunch of Washington, D.C. attorneys. They came in. They they found votes and trunks. They found trunks of cars. It was it was a miracle. Who knew? I didn't know that. Like once a ballot was counted, some people apparently just take boxes of them, throw them in the trunk of their car. Just just how things are. You know how to, who who wouldn't want a box of ballots sitting around the trunk of their car? So they're found ballots, found votes, and suddenly Al Franken wins. Did Al Franken overturn the results? of the election? Have you ever heard it framed that way? Every time a Democrat is close, they are challenging the results. They're refuted. They No call has been made. We're going to try and figure this out. We don't really know. Let's wait and see. Well, once the voting counting is done, you have a total and then you have an automatic recount triggered if it's at a certain percentage difference. At which point, the vote is then certified. The election's over, right then and there. Then they go to court. Then they go to the person who lost. If they're down by you know small percentage, point three percent of the vote, whatever, they then go to court and say, "I demand a different recount. I want a hand recount rather than a machine recount. I want to canvas everywhere because I want to make sure that all the ballots were counted. I want to do this, that, and the other." At that point, if they were being honest. That would be an attempt to overturn an election. You have the results, and somebody is challenging those results. Somebody is trying to overturn those results. But it's never, ever, ever been portrayed that way. Why? Because you have a legal right to challenge election results. You have a legal right to demand recounts. At a certain percentage in most states, it's paid for by the state because it's so close. But you can also request it and pay for it yourself if it's outside that what is considered a margin of error. None of it is considered an attempt to overturn an election. What Donald Trump did was challenge the election. He filed court. He had his lawyers file court cases. Now, you can talk about the efficacy of it. You can talk about the honesty of it, whatever you want to talk about about those things, but it is all well within the bounds of the law. It's never portrayed as such. It is. He's refusing to accept the results of the election. Well, Al Franken refused to accept the results of the election. He also refused to accept that the woman whose breasts he was fondling while she was asleep was asleep and wasn't interested in having her breast fondled by him. So, you know, it made sure made for a funny photograph, but, you know, Al ain't one to take no for an answer. They are always guilty of what they accuse us of doing. The very first act of the worst human being in the United States House of Representatives, Jamie Raskin, who morally preens around Capitol Hill like he just left a bathroom smelling like a field of flowers, 
His very first act in the House of Representatives, Jamie Raskins, was to challenge, to try to block the certification of the 2016 election. It is. It's true. He tried to block the certification of the vote of the Electoral College in 2017 on the day that uh, it was being conducted. If we're talking about insurrections, could we not label that an insurrection an insurrection act and therefore ban Jamie Raskin from running for office? Is there anybody in Montgomery County, Maryland listening? Challenge that. If that is, we'll get into that in a second, but if there is a, you know, the push to get Trump off the ballot because he's an insurrectionist, he's never once been charged with insurrection. He's not been convicted of insurrection. He's just been accused of insurrection, not by anybody in the legal profession, but by people on television. And that's enough. People in the political world, that's enough. These courts are saying, okay, he's an insurrectionist. He can't be on the ballot. Can't we find Republican judges, conservative judges to do the same? Turnabout is the fairest of place. I'm sure Democrats who are all about equity and equality would not want to be treated differently, would not want their people to be treated any differently than Republicans are, right? They are, well, they did pioneer the separate but equal form of, well, everything. Hmm. Maybe I have to think that one through a little bit more. Okay, so back to this Supreme Court decision. It's not a Supreme Court case. It's not a Supreme Court decision. It's the Supreme Court has decided to take up a case. That's what the Supreme Court does, by the way, and they're taking it up on an expedited basis, but it's not fast enough for the left. They've got the gallows built already. They've got the, uh, the, the stake already driven into the ground. They've collected all the hay. They want to burn them. So... As a, the Hill, the justice's order keeps Trump's January 6th criminal trial proceedings on hold for now, handing an initial blow to special counsel Jack Smith, but keeping alive a pathway for his prosecution to reach a jury before the 2024 presidential election. Boy, howdy, just imagine if they weren't trying to influence the election with this thing. Every story is about that while they still insist that it has nothing to do with the election. We're just going about... There are people who sit on death row for 30, 40 years. Justice delayed is just... We need speedy justice. We need swift justice. In the Trump case, they're like, we need swift administration of justice. We need a uh, trial. We need him to be convicted. We need a sentence passed. And then we need him forever banned from ever doing anything ever, ever again. Well, what about that guy who raped and murdered three teenagers back in 1972? Should that guy? Well, no, he was sentenced to death. Well, that's that's different. There's there's a question as to whether or not he he should face the, the death penalty because what if what if he gets an infection from the needle that they put in his arm for uh, the lethal injection? What if what if in piercing the skin to put that lethal injection needle in there it hurts him? You know, that's cruel and unusual. We can't we can't do that. We're going to have to free Mumia, free Mumia, kill Trump. Oh, I can see one guy's policies you disagree with. The other guy policies you agree with. Which one do you think it is? The one who defended police officers or the one who shot a cop point blank in the face? Which side do you think Democrats fall on? 
So, yeah, they're all upset. We need a justice delayed. Is justice denied? There are people who have been in solitary confinement since January 6th, held without bail. Do these speedy justice people have anything to say about them? No, they don't. It's weird. It's so weird. You can be an illegal alien and endanger a child, beat a child, beat a, well, your wife, whatever. Anything anything short of murder, and then I'm sure in some cases there are cases where the Democrats are going, but it's only murder. They want them out without bail, without bond, without anything. Let's just get them out of prison. It is wrong. But Donald Trump, man, he's got to go. Trump had urged the justices to slam the brakes on his trial, but hold off on taking up his immunity claims on the merit until the former president first exhausts his appeal options in a lower court. That process would have lasted weeks, if not months, which would have aided Trump in further running out the clock, thereby giving him a chance at returning to the White House and ending the prosecution before a jury could hear the case. They're very concerned. The whole framing of this story is that. At Smith's suggestion, the Supreme Court instead opted to hear the former president's immunity claim. Now, though the justices refused Smith's primary ask to simply stay out of the case and allow the trial to immediately move forward. So he wanted to go to trial, I think, next Monday or the Monday after. He, want, he wanted this trial going. They wanted to start jury selection. They wanted this thing. Because while the claims here are absolute garbage, he's not charged with insurrection, by the way, because he knew that nobody would kind of convict him. There's no basis for that. On a summary judgment from the bench, that would be tossed out. So you can't charge. See, if you don't charge Donald Trump with insurrection, then you don't have to deal with the fact that he was cleared of insurrection without the charge of insurrection you can still accuse him of it it's screwed up it's how democrats work but it's absolutely screwed up it's just well, he's an insurrectionist why didn't anybody charge him with him well he hasn't been charged yet if he's charged and the charges are tossed because of lack of evidence they're garbage whatever then well, they could still charge him they, they still accuse him of being part of the russia hoax but it has much less weight it would be very demoralizing to Democratic voters and MSNBC viewers if they tried and failed. So it's best not to try so you can still accuse him of it because justice or something. They want to talk about corruption in the media. That is the corruption in the media. But as you watch this, the, the left is gone unhinged. Now, this is the normal process for that everybody pretty much has. And they're pissed off that Donald Trump is able to do this. They want his head on a spike. A trial in Washington, D.C. I'm not sure why you have a trial in Washington, D.C. Just let's have the appeal. Let's just go right to the appeal. It's a Republican on trial in Washington, D.C. So you, you already know the conclusion, right? They refused a change of venue not because they didn't want to travel, but because they know that this is a tap and putt in Washington, D.C. You can accuse Donald Trump of anything. He blotted out the sun. He blew up the moon. 
And they'll go, yeah, we, we, the jury in the above entitled case, find the defendant, Donald John Trump, guilty of blowing up the moon. That's Washington, D.C. for you. It's Democrats and dummies. I know the Venn diagram is two concentric circles, but that's beside the point. So with this news, putting it off, and now the court will hear the case and the court will probably rule. There's a lot of people saying the court might not rule until June. June is when they release all of their rulings. It's highly unlikely that they're going to take a case on an expedited basis, but then hold their decision until the end of their term in the last day of June. I, I doubt that. I wouldn't be surprised if they if they're going to come out because they can they have turned things around in a matter of days it's not like most of them don't or democrats are like well we're against it or we're for it which are we we're for it or against it i forget whatever we are we're in a block and we're we're there so this is really an argument over like amy coney barrett and and um john roberts but they can decide these things quickly there's no reason to believe that they will take forever to adjudicate this. But the trial's on hold until then. Then when they get a decision, the whole thing starts again. There are pre-trial motions. There are all sorts of delaying tactics. And Democrats really want this. They want that conviction. They need a conviction on anything, no matter how bogus the charges are. And the charges in this case are bogus. They just are. The documents case, the New York case, you just sit there and you go, what the the, the the only thing they've ever gotten Donald Trump on is this BS civil business where they've decided to fine him more than anybody's ever been fined in all of human history because he took out a loan and paid it back. Yeah, that's how absurd it is. And that that's the only thing they've come close to a conviction on, and there wasn't even a trial, so they don't even get... It was a, a directed verdict from the judge. It wasn't... They want the uh, the jury for woman, probably be a for woman, standing up saying that we reading the thing, we find the defendant guilty of something, anything, jaywalking, bad hair, whatever it is. They need that. They want that. Why? Because polls show that while Donald Trump has a lot of support, and we'll get into it in a bit, but he's he's winning in all the swing states right now. The election ain't held today, but uh, right now he's doing quite well in those things. Polls show that Donald Trump loses a good chunk of his support if he becomes if he gets convicted on something. So they want a conviction. They need a conviction. If you can't lift up Joe Biden, you've got to knock down Donald Trump. All that matters is you're on top when it's over. It doesn't matter how high it is. You know, it doesn't matter. You have to be higher than the other guy. So they, they can't raise up Joe Biden anymore. He's kind of like a weekend at Bernie's. He limps over. He, he's his own worst enemy. You get him up as high as you can, but you knock down Donald Trump. That's why they want a conviction. That's why Republicans need to shift. Because the only case that has a chance of really getting to a, a jury by the time of the election is is this case. 
And so they really need to start hammering home the idea that there's no fair trial in Washington, D.C., not for a Republican. It's never going to happen. Get out there and hammer that home so it becomes known. Anyway, that's beside the point. We can talk strategy later on. I want to play you a couple of clips here. We'll start off with, uh, we'll save we'll save Rachel for a second. We go to Ellie Mistal. Ellie Mistal is a white-haired fat Albert. He is a man of color. He is the justice correspondent over at The Nation magazine. In a uh, in an honest media, Ellie would be an embarrassment to, well, every human being. He would not get on TV. He is um, aesthetically, he's just, he's not, he's a big fella. He's got crazy sort of Don King hair, except it's all white. Don King's hair was black at the bottom and it was two-tone it turned white somewhere in the in the process but he's just a, a big guy he's like the black version of eraser head if you've ever seen that movie and if he'd eaten eraser head and erasers a lot of erasers and erasers were very high in calories so that's Ellie Mistal and he goes out there and he absolutely always says incendiary things. Now, I get it. That plays on cable news. It's not useful. The audience is not being informed. The audience is being misinformed. The network brand to people who are not already on board would be embarrassed, would be tarnished by having somebody like Ellie Mistal on there. But cable news is not about winning over converts. It is about corralling the audience you already have keeping the audience you already have it is nonstop throwing red meat to them it is there's no attempt whatsoever to try and convince anybody to your side convince that's ridiculous if this is how people convince people my god but it is nonstop stay on the thought plantation it used to be you know We'll watch Fox News so you don't have to. Now it's, we'll watch Fox News, so please don't. We'll watch it for you. Please don't. We'll, we'll consume information from others. Do not do it yourself because they're absolutely terrified that somebody might get unapproved information, unfiltered information, and then draw a different conclusion than what is acceptable to the party and to the movement. You can't have that. You can't have that. It's it's terrifying. It was a time. I will give MSNBC credit. For a long time, about 80% of their content was Fox News clips. It was really amazing to watch. Like, wow, fair use is about 30 seconds. And they're going, there's a two-minute clip of a Tucker Carlson monologue. And then there's blonde-haired Joy Reid sitting there going, cultural appropriation is wrong without any sense of irony. And here's why. And then she just reads the latest talking points from the comments section over at Slate. And you go, this is what passes for news. Huh, interesting. Now they don't show Fox because they can't really show 30 seconds, 15 seconds, maybe the most of it in a clip because too much of that. And then you get to a point where you have difficulty refuting it. You have difficulty wrangling the lies. So instead, they just paraphrase. They'll say it's, it's, a, it's a weird phenomenon to watch where they talk about what's happening in conservative media, but they don't show conservative media. They use you know very specific selective quotes. Keep an eye out for the ellipses in the on-screen quotations from conservative opinion pieces, and you go, huh? Ellipses. You now sometimes 
The writers use them. I say that as a writer. I sometimes use them. But most of the time they're used as an editorial device, an editing device to denote chunks being removed. Right? So if you've got half a sentence and then five paragraphs and then another half a sentence that were those two half sentences put together, it would make for an interesting useful bit of information but you've got those five paragraphs in between what are you going to do with those five paragraphs they're, they're in between they're inconvenient in ellipses and then suddenly they're gone poof serve pro came through and it's like it never even happened it's gone then you can read the two half sentences together as though they are one with a little ellipses in there and most people don't realize that that's what an ellipsis in a quote is is we took out about 400 words to take things out of context to make it in. And they never point that out. They don't want you to go and read it. They will consume the news. They will vomit it up into your mouth like a mother bird. And sadly, for their audience, that's enough. That's enough. So when an Ellie Mistal, when the white-haired fat Albert comes out there and talks about ways that the progressive left have to literally essentially overthrow the Supreme Court of the United States, undo our system of government, impose their will on the American people. It's the only way to save democracy. You're sitting there going, that sounds a little Hitlerific, actually. But no, it's never questioned. It's not questioned. I think he's sitting across from Alex Wagner here who replaces Rachel Maddow in the four days a week. Rachel Maddow refuses to work for $30 million dollars. And she doesn't question any of this. She doesn't have a problem with any of this. She's probably more worried about burning up in Ellie's atmosphere or maybe getting caught in his gravitational pull into an orbit she, from which she'll never escape. I don't know. But this went unchallenged because there's no challenge over at MSNBC. Then the appeals court gives a bulletproof ruling, as Dahlia says, and they still decide to take it up. What it says is that they are cor corrupted, political actors who act in bad faith. The reason why people like Mark and people like Dahlia seem to have a crystal ball is because they're real, because they're realists, and they understand the court for what it is. And at some point, people in the media, people at home, and people sitting in the White House have to stop pretending that the Supreme Court is some kind of benign, trying to do its best institution, and start to realize that there are six Republicans, not conservatives, Republicans on the Supreme Court who view it as their job to help the Republican Party. And until we do something about that, until we take away that power, until we draw the line on them there, they will continue to do this. They will help Trump. They will take away abortion rights. They will end affirmative action. They will liberalize gun rights. They will do all of it until we stop them. And somebody, somebody needs to start listening in the higher echelons of the Democratic Party because we will keep losing every day we allow these six Republicans in robes to rule over all of us. Sounds a little insurrection-y to me, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound like, let's go, it's, it also sounds like a bunch of wish-casting. Why, oh, why? Did James Hodgkinson have to waste his time trying to kill those Republicans on that on that baseball field when we really needed him to go after a couple of Supreme Court justices? Will there is there no James Hodgkinson out there amongst you 
to stand up and protect us all? How long are we going to tolerate this system of government functioning in a way that our system of government is designed to function? Huh? What? That's what he's arguing. Tell me I'm wrong. Go ahead. Tell me I'm wrong. White-haired Fat Albert is calling for the overthrowing of at least the judicial branch of our government. It's a co-equal branch. When Congress doesn't do what the Democrats want, they call for the same thing. The president needs to bypass the legislature. They need to bypass. Okay, so there's no need for the judicial branch. There's no need for the legislative branch. Just the executive branch with its magic phone and its pen. And oh, by the way, they need to remove the people we don't like from ballots across the country. And after... All of that, they tell you what? It's the other side who's a threat to democracy. (laughs) They're always guilty of what they're accusing everybody else of doing without fail. Looking at the Twitter machine, Tom Bevan, uh, co-founder of Real Clear Politics, the boss over there, nice guy. He's got a tweet up. I can't call it X and I can't call it whatever the hell they... I don't even know what they call it, but it's Twitter. says, it ain't just Gemini talking about the Google AI thing. Here's Google's news. Google News' full coverage of the Supreme Court decision to hear Trump's immunity claim, complete with posts aggregated from X, tags Elon Musk. And it really is. It's a Daily Beast post that says, Joy Reid, Justices Alito and Thomas have motive to delay Trump case. This, this is the entirety of Google, if you get your news from Google. And a lot of people sadly get their news from Google. Just like a lot of people sadly get their news from, like, The View. The CNN story they leak in here, Trump uses the slow legal system to his advantage. The Supreme Court is helping. Hmm. New York Times, in taking up Trump's immunity claim, Supreme Court bolstered his delay strategy. <laughs> what? And uh, Washington Post's offering is opinion. What the Supreme Court told us. And then there's Vox News, V-O-X. The Supreme Court's new order sabotaging Trump's D.C. criminal trial explained. (laughs) These people are beyond parody. They truly, truly are beyond parody. You can see now why maybe Saturday Night Live isn't funny anymore because you can't parody a joke. Right? They already, they've become a parody of themselves. The Jack Smith, by the way, asked the Supreme Court. He's the one who took this to the Supreme Court. Asked the Supreme Court for expedited review. The Supreme Court said, all right, we'll give you expedited review. And now the left is going, can you believe they're interfering in this? You can't win for losing. These people are, well, there's a, two possibilities. They're wildly stupid or they're evil. I realize that there could be a little from column A and a little from column B. But there is no column C. There's nothing else. Like, what are the other options? Why these people are rational, well-behaved, fully thinking human beings who would never consider lying, cheating, or stealing. Does anybody out there believe that? Do you think any of them believe that? There's no way they don't know what they're doing. Just like when, you know, Joe Biden, he's senile. He's, before he was senile, he was a liar. 
He's always been stupid. So you go sit there and you go, is it senility or stupidity? It's tough to tell. Now it's probably mostly senility. But throughout the entirety of his career, when he was lying about his his own life, and he's lying about, even in the last few years, lying about the death of his son. I lost my son in Iraq. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> but like he knows. He had to know. He would be the one person who knew all of it. That he was lying. You can't be wrong. These people can't be mistaken. They know what they're doing. They have to know what they're doing. If you're able to put on pants, if you're cognizant enough to be able to dress yourself and feed yourself, you know what you're doing here. They don't care. That's the difference. It's not about them. They're not trying to convince themselves. They're not trying to convince anybody who might stumble across them for the first time. They are trying desperately to make sure that the people that they've already believed them don't go and look anything up for themselves. Rachel Maddow is, I think, I haven't seen the cable news ratings in a while, but she used to be the top rated thing on cable news. Now, she works one day a week. The replacement show for her, Alex Wagner, is a ratings disaster. So four days a week, the 9 p.m. time slot on MSNBC is a joke. But on Mondays, she dominates. Because they want to be lied to. People want to be lied to. How else can you? I don't understand. If you watched Rachel Maddow for years during the Trump administration, you go, oh, well, Russia, Russia, Russia. The walls are closing in. This is the smoking gun. They're going to get him. Robert Mueller will save us all. Robert Mueller can't even take a bath. The guy walks on water. He couldn't possibly sit in it. There's no way. He has to shower. That's how holy he... And then the Mueller report comes out, and we got nothing, and we're not going to do anything. We didn't find... And you go, wait a second. What happened here? We were lied to, either on purpose or by accident. It was on purpose, but, you know, for argument's sake, there are a lot of people who were demoralized. Like, what we were told was wrong. What we were told wasn't true. I was promised. I was, I was told they'd have punch and pie, and I get here, and there's no punch and pie. There's a vague reference to South Park for you out there if you get that one. There's no punch and pie. They went away. The ratings on MSNBC dipped. Then they came back. A beat dog will run away when it gets off the leash. But then it will come back nine times out of ten. The audience came back and said, okay, well, that's okay. We forgive you. We like the lies. We need the lies. The alternative out there is scary. It's scary. You realize how many crazy people are out there? And so Rachel Maddow, who is... She's a Rhodes Scholar, they always say. Rhodes Scholar. It's amazing. You know, the Rhodes Scholar. You throw that out there when you don't really have, I don't know, real accomplishments, real... If you you have to, if you talk about your degree, if you talk about where you went to school, like people who went to Harvard. No offense to people who went to Harvard. My brother-in-law went to Harvard. But most people I've known have gone to Harvard to find a way to work it into every single conversation they have. Every, it doesn't matter. What are you doing for lunch? I don't know. I was thinking about going to get a salad. Oh, yeah, no. I love salads. There's a salad place just off the main campus at Harvard when I was in college. I used to eat there all the time. 
Okay, I didn't. I didn't ask for your biography. I just want to. You want to go get something to eat or no? Eh, it reminds me of a classic. Just shut up. All right, we get it. We get it. If you're talking about your credentials, it's because your actions can't back it up. If you're Doctor Jill Biden, and you want people to call you Doctor Jill Biden, it's because you just speaking as Jill Biden doesn't come off as very smart right you're not coming off as super bright so you know, call me dr jill biden at least give me some credibility some intelligence by proxy if i can't earn it myself go ahead call me dr jill well you got a you got an ehd not a phd and you got it in community college education you wrote a thesis that was it might as well have been written in crayon. It's embarrassingly bad, and it was about how community colleges can retain students, right? Which, realistically, if you know anything about community colleges, it's there's not a lot of recruiters on the campus of community college. As, as somebody who did a, a year for or, well, a semester to uh, transfer some basic credits for cheapness to a, at a I did a community college. Um, not a super high bar, not a lot of future CEOs, no offense to my fellow community con- I didn't get an associate's degree from them. I just, like I said, did the basics, but not a lot of future Jeopardy champions. He's a sixth-year community college student out of Cleveland, Ohio, and a five-time Jeopardy champion with total winnings of $127,500. Please, that's a sentence that has never been said before and will never be repeated again, at least not in unless in jest. But Jill demands to be called Dr. Jill. It's even in her Twitter profile because she's dumb. And so by proxy, she wants to get that. The entire left is insistent on that. So Rachel Maddow, Rhodes Scholar. And you do some investigating. And, you you know, you can't be a, a paste-eating dummy who ends up losing a finger while trying to tie your shoes to become a Rhodes Scholar. But it is not as though there are Rhodes Scholar recruiters dispatched across the globe secretly trying to recruit the best and the brightest, no matter where they find them. They find people who are geniuses, who work the fields in some third world country, and they say, come with us to Cambridge. Let us. No, it's not that. You have to apply for it. It's a self-selecting group. So yeah, the, the idea that you're a Rhodes Scholar is about as important as the fact that you have a master's degree. Oh, you have a master's degree. Okay, congratulations balance a checkbook what yeah that's what i thought anyway rachel maddow joins in with uh, white-haired fat albert to talk about how evil evil the supreme court is and little beaker she was very up i mean you want to talk about a conspiracy theorist she truly is charlie day from it's always sunny in philadelphia she truly is this unhinged person And I'd ask you, what is it that she has produced, predicted, preceded, that has come to pass? Anything? Has any of her analysis proved, 
lasting or particularly astute? I would say no. Now, I say this as somebody who can sit there and say, well, you're a partisan. Yes, of course I'm a partisan. At least I'm honest about it. But I've also criticized, say, Tucker and a lot of people on Fox who before the last election were talking about a red wave. And they interviewed Tudor Dixon. Oh, Tudor Dixon, she's going to, you're going to win the governor's office. You're going to easily, she got her ass handed to her. It wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. We would have won the Senate. You're going to win this. You're going to. They tried to prop up Herschel Walker. There's no propping up Herschel Walker. All this. It's not just a thing to the left. I tell everybody: do not take what I say as gospel. Take what I say as a, a leaping off point. If you find something interesting or curious or maybe potentially useful, look it up yourself. I could be wrong. I'm not, but I could be. I'm doing most of the show from memory and reading news stories. So it's. You know, my memory could be off. It's not. But you're welcome to check it. I encourage it. I'd just tell you that you should do that for everybody and everything. That's why I tell you to every once in a while, you know, show some cotton up your nose to block the stink and flip over, have a bucket nearby and flip over to MSNBC for see if you how long you can do it. I'd say for an hour, but don't start off with an hour. You, you got to start off and. 10-minute increments. It's like learning to hold your breath. You can train your body to hold your breath for a very long time, but you don't want to go digging for diamonds in the deep end of the Olympic-sized swimming pool where the diving competition is done because you're not going to get there until you really train your breathing. So small bites, small bites, and then watch it, and you will see the look through the looking like you will see another world it is not a different view it used to be okay everybody kind of agreed on what the news of the day was they would just give it their own spin this one from the right this one from the left now it's news from two different planets it's bizarro world over there hunter biden saved lives on the way to his testimony, that kind of garbage. You're just like, what the hell? The, one of the greatest Americans in all of human history. And once you get past all the hookers and the blow and the, the cheating and everything else, uh, was forced to testify before Congress. No, by the way, we need to get Donald Trump Jr. up to Capitol Hill and under oath. And he, by the way, he needs to go to prison. For what? We'll figure out later. That sounds an awful lot like Stalin. No, no, no. The other side is a threat to democracy. That's why we have to cancel the election. That's why we have to limit choice. All that crap. I recommend you just check it out. You will see a different world. You really, truly will. And you will see a world full of paranoia. You will see Beaker, Rachel Maddow over there, spewing things like this about the Supreme Court's decision to hear a case where the prosecutor, the Democratic prosecutor, asked them to see it on an expedited basis. Now, if you think about the, the court as the Supreme Court of the United States and a rational actor and a decent one, that was a reasonable supposition. And it just turns out they're not that. Um, you'll, you know, incremental bit of progress here. The important question here is not whether the Supreme Court is going to decide that Donald Trump and all presidents are immune from prosecution for things they commit, crimes they committed while they were president. I mean, it would be 
fully insane for them to actually side with Trump here, right? The conclusion that we can arrive at now based on what they have done without having to wait for the ruling is that they are ensuring that Trump will not face trial. And when they inevitably rule that presidents aren't immune from prosecution after they leave office, what that will tell Donald Trump, if by then he is president, is that he can never leave the office of the presidency. And if he is voted out in 2028, he cannot leave office and he is willing to commit. He is is welcome to commit any crimes he wants to as long as he is still president in order to ignore the result of that election and stay in power for life, because otherwise he is going to go to prison when he gets out. Now, I've been around some people who have smoked a lot of weed. I have never known anybody to be that paranoid. Now, you really have to ask yourself, does Rachel Maddow believe that? Or is she lying? Because that's the way to keep her audience corralled. I don't know the answer to that. I'd like to think she's not that stupid. But anybody who talks about 2028 and says if he's voted out in 2028, they can't be that bright. We have term limits for the president. I'll read you the 22nd Amendment. This is the text of the 22nd Amendment. No person shall be elected to the office of president more than twice. And no person who has held the office of president or acted as president for more than two years of a term to which some other person was elected president shall be elected to the office of president more than once. There's more to it than that, but that's the gist of it. That means you get two four-year terms at the most. Donald Trump has already had one. Donald Trump is going to not win the 2028 election, no matter what happens in the 2024 election, Rachel. Do you understand how that works? Do you understand how stupid what you were saying is in that context? Does her audience... The answer to the first question is probably. The answer to the second question is probably not. But this is the lengths you have to go to in order to foment the level of paranoia for the progressive mindset, for the liberal spin, for the Democratic Party's talking points to have any teeth, to make any sense. It's like... A few years ago, if you just go back a few years, maybe they didn't take Donald Trump seriously in 20. They really didn't take Donald Trump seriously in 2016. So I guess that argument is already settled. But if you went back and you looked at some of the coverage and some of the clips from there, they they weren't this insane. They weren't this unhinged. They weren't this unstable. Maybe they recognized that they did inspire James Hodgkinson and they're going, well, maybe we can get some more of those. We'll take the hit in ratings. I mean, the guy, they did just inspire somebody else to go set themselves on fire in front of the Israeli embassy. So, you know, their message is getting out there. <laughs> it's having an impact. I imagine the impact statement that uh, Comcast puts together about, well, here's how we're impacting the community. It probably doesn't involve that, as a matter of fact, but they're hoping to. But they're like junkies. If you've ever known anybody who, and it doesn't have to be, you know, a heroin junkie. You know somebody who, I had a friend, I'm not going to name him, he's gotten his life together since then, thankfully, but he would go from one thing to another. One thing to, it was a drug, and then it was something weird. I remember he got really into numerology. He went from cocaine to numerology. 
it was LSD. It was it was whatever he did, he did it full bore. He absolutely went all in on it. And he gave me a numerology book once, and I read it, and I thought this is the biggest load of crap I've ever read. But he he stopped doing drugs for it, and since he was uh, doing a lot of cocaine before that, I thought this is good. It's good. I'd, I'd rather him being really weird into numerology than being into cocaine. He, like I say, he eventually got his act together and, and good for him. But there are some people who, once you get into something, you need more of it. You have to go deeper. He was one of them. Couldn't just dabble in smoking weed and smoke weed more. And to get the same high, he had to smoke more weed. And to get the same high again, he had to keep smoking more. That's how junkies go down. It's the junkie spiral. I can occasionally shoot some heroin. Now I love that high that I got with a little bit of heroin, but I need a little bit more heroin to get that same high. I'm not getting the same high. And then down they go. It's the same thing with the lies of the left, the insanity of the left. They need to be more outrageous. They need to go further. They need to be crazier. They need to get into this absolutely insane things where you're just sitting there arguing with a lamppost and losing that kind of level of crazy. And you're going, my God, what is wrong with these people? The Supreme Court, he'll never leave. If Donald Trump isn't defeated in court right now, he'll never leave the presidency because all he's going to do is murder people and rape people. And that, that's it. There are people at home sitting in their underpants going, yeah, that's right, covered in Doritos. The house smells like urine and they don't have any pets and it doesn't, you know, how did that happen? There are people sitting there watching this going, you're damn right. Whether or not any of them are James Hodgkinson, who knows, but you can't help but get the feeling that they really do hope there's one out there, or should I say another one out there. Yeah, so that's the uh, that's the progressive left for you. Call me doctor. <laughs> uh, they're the same people like you're I'm a barista. No, you're you 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 pour coffee, you know. No, a barista. How about you I don't know aspire to be more rather than just insist on being called more if you're smart you don't have to tell people you're smart if you're funny you don't have to tell people you're funny if you know what you're talking about you don't need a title or prefix or anything you just do it but that's not the world we live in anymore i don't know that it ever was it seemed like it was but eh, maybe i was wrong Anyway, we'll move on from that because Lord knows they'll give us enough to uh, talk about. I want to, we're going to get to other things domestically, but I just saw this and it goes along with what I was talking about the other day with Canada and how, you know, people think, well, it's Canada, it's, it's just like us or the UK, it's just like us, Europe, it's just like Australia, it's just like us, all these non-totalitarian regimes, theoretically non-totalitarian regimes are all kind of bracing totalitarianism and in this country we had to overthrow had to overthrow the government in order to protect democracy hmm, that's weird democracy will be threatened if donald trump donald trump won't leave office if he loses in 2028 which is stupid he won't be running in 2028 and i promise you if he were to say i refuse to leave we're going to cancel the election It'd be Republicans who'd stand up before Democrats. This, we're principled like that. I get Democrats are unfamiliar with it. And if Barack Obama came back and said, oh, I want to be president again, they would go, yeah, you know what? Let's just install him. 
and they'd insist that this is what democracy is screaming and chanting. This is what democracy looks like as they slowly drill through the case containing protecting the Constitution so that they can pour gasoline on it and set it on fire. This is what democracy looks like. We took a vote. And of my local Antifa chapter, it was unanimous. So this is clearly the will of the people and democracy. It's how the left works. You always think ill of the other side. You project on them. And it justifies pretty much anything you want. Since I've been talking a lot about James Hodgkinson, I just want to remind you, and Rachel Maddow, it was the a I believe Harvard or Yale quote study study it was a bogus thing is when the left needs ammunition to use against Republicans they have it at the ready they just put out a call to academia and they immediately send off a bogus study. And the left needed something to go after the right on over Obamacare, over Obamacare repeal and replacement. The idea that people would have a bigger say in their in their health insurance. The idea that, you know, maybe blanket mandates from Washington, which the federal government had never done before, not a particularly good thing. Individuals can figure out what they want their plans to contain rather than a bureaucrat in Washington, D.C., or, say, short of that, maybe a a state government can do it, because the state governments were the ones imposing mandates. And curiously, the states with more insurance mandates in their health care had higher insurance premiums in the individual market than states with fewer mandates. Now it's not mandates like oh you get shot you're going to we're not going to cover it if you get shot or in a car accident or cancer or anything like that but if you fall off a scaffolding from seven floors or above we'll care it wasn't that. It was things like artificial insemination which is fine I yeah if you want that you you would buy health insurance if you need that you'd buy health insurance that carried that but most people don't need it either they don't want kids they're done with kids or they are able to reproduce without the help of it, whatever it is. It's not a judgment on somebody who needs it or wants it, but why should a 57-year-old couple, both being 57, who are well past the change, who aren't going to get pregnant, don't want to have kids, they got grandkids and they're good, why should they have to pay several thousand dollars extra yearly for a plan that covers artificial insemination when they have no use for it. Well, because some bureaucrat, some lawmaker, it's a good thing to run on. We're going to find somebody who they're paying $50,000 to I have a friend who's going through this. Pay, it costs a lot of money for artificial insemination. You know, oh, we're going to get the, we're going to make sure those evil insurance, can, they're profiting off of it. They're doing this. And we're going to make sure they pay for it. Now, who you could stand up and go, that's ridiculous. Why are you doing this? Because it's ridiculous and why are you doing this? But the in the world of politics, that's not the world of rational thinking. You go, what do you hate, kids? Why do you hate women? Why do you, and like, okay, all right, fine. I'm not going to oppose you. I'm going to vote for it. Because it's just easier. It's the path of least resistance. You end up with all these things in there. You must, must include transition surgery. Why? 
Why? How many people does that impact? If you if you want that, if you think that, then you go ahead and buy a plan with that. If you think, I don't know, maybe my kid's going to do it or maybe I feel this way or whatever, I buy health insurance that covers that, you can do that. Why would everybody have to buy it? Well, because it's a good thing. You get to seem compassionate. And people, when they get their big insurance bill, they go, oh, my God, my premiums are going up. Those greedy insurance companies, they don't go, well, it's it's the stupid bureaucrats. It's the politicians who keep adding things onto it that you don't need, you'll never use, you don't want. And if you had freedom, you would never get for yourself. But that's beside the point. When the left needed an argument against the Republican health care plans, they looked to academia, which they funded, and academia belched out a study. And it was a real quick study. You can tell the quicker the turnaround time, the higher the pile of manure the study is. And it was what? It said the Republican health care proposal is going to lead to the deaths, the unnecessary deaths of 10,000 people a year. It is going to kill 10,000 people a year. And Rachel Maddow broke out her her uh, whiteboard and she broke it out. She wrote the monologue. She did it. She performed it. All the people at MSNBC performed their duties masterfully. And James Hodgkinson was sitting there watching this and going, well, this is, this is ridiculous. They are going to kill 10,000 people. These Republicans are going to kill, murder 10,000 people a year. Now, if you believe that, if you buy that, you almost have a moral obligation to do something about it, do you? Not just as though if you believe that Donald Trump is the reincarnation of Hitler or worse, Hitler 2.0, the upgrade version, you really believe that don't you almost have a moral obligation to act now most people recognize it as a rhetorical tool it is a poor dumb person's substitute for rational debate and a fact-based argument you just go well they're hitler he's hitler it's over right it's it's replaced you're a racist in every discussion about hey i was just asking you what you wanted for lunch i don't want to you're a racist I don't have anything to say to you. It's it's a way to avoid debate while claiming the high ground. But there's going to be somebody out there who's going to take it seriously. Israel's committing genocide. It's absurd on its face. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. There are more Palestinians living in Gaza and the West Bank now than there were 10 years ago. If Israel has been committing a slow-rolling genocide, it is the slowest uphill-rolling genocide in all of history. They don't understand what genocide is. They're committing one, and they're, they're causing more of the people they're trying to, to get out of existence to come into existence. They're, they don't understand. Maybe they're not committing genocide, but it doesn't matter. A rational person hears that, rolls their eyes, and goes, you know, they were attacked on October the 7th. 1,200 people, civilians, murdered. Women raped to the point that their pelvises were broken. Babies burned alive, murdered families, murdered in front of their parents. And all that is, no, 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 it's the Israelis who are committing this genocide. And you hear that, and if you're, there's going to be a small percentage of the public who goes, you know what, I need to go and burn. I can't be complicit with this. I have to go and burn myself to death in protest. Like I said, thank God he got the order right. Most of these lunatics go on killing sprees and then kill themselves. 
So he did it the right way in that sense. So respect to 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 him for that. But you have to sit there and you go, what are these people doing? What is their ultimate goal? What is the realistic impact? And it's on every damn thing. Everything. Now we say a progressive is a progressive first and foremost, everything else second, and it doesn't matter where in the world they happen to physically be. So you look over to the UK. This is from the Daily Mail. A and, and controversial is in quotation marks. A controversial theater production about race, identity, and sexuality. You know, they thought the writers are like, I want to get a play produced. I need to make some money. What am I going to do? What can I, I could really tell a story that uh, touches the, no, you know what? I'm going to make it about skin color, sexual orientation, and nudity. And everything. All right, there you go. That will get produced for sure. It won't last. I predict this thing won't make it to the end of the uh, of the month, but I predict that it will uh, get a lot of praise, just not a lot of ticket sales. Anyway, a controversial theater production about race, identity, and sexuality in 21st century America will put on two nights for black audiences to watch the play free, quote, free from the white gaze. What? No, not gay white people. The gays, as can you imagine that? We got to be free from the white gays. We'll let the black gays in, the Hispanic gays, the Asian gays, eh, all right, I guess, some of them. But the white gays stay out. Aww. No, gays, G A Z E. Slave Play, starring Kit Harrington, who is best known for his role as Jon Snow in the HBO, letting that white guy in, and the HBO series Game of Thrones, is coming to the Noel Coward Theater in London's West End from 29 June to 21 September. So I guess it's not going to be for a little while. It'll close sooner or later. But on the evenings of July 17th and September 17th, the theater will be open to all black identif- to an all black identifying audience. That's right. The the Democratic Party, no matter where they are, the progressives, I guess they're not Democrats over there, the Liberal Party, but they're all George Wallace. Segregation now, segregation forever. The Democratic Party was the party of slavery. Then they were the party of segregation and Jim Crow, the Ku Klux Klan. And then that became out of fashion. So they changed. Tactics, not objectives. Segregation used to be segregation. We don't want them near us. Now, segregation, you probably don't want to be near us. So for your own sake, we're going to say you can have a separate. It is you must have a separate graduation ceremony, separate high school. dance. should be going to separate dormitories. Now it's wouldn't you guys like to be separate? Wouldn't you like a safe space? How about a safe space for you? We're going to put you in this dormitory. It's going to be wonderful. You're going to love it. You can play your music and do your dancing and everything. It's going to be great. And then you just, you know, stay over there and we'll stay away from you. Don't worry. They've changed their tactics, not their objective. One senior Tory MP, the Daily Mail continues, who did not want to be named, raised questions over the decision to bar white people from the show, telling the Mail Online, quote, I understand the subject matter of the show may have particular resonance for some, but would simply question the legality of this. 
in other circles, it would be illegal and racial discrimination. I don't understand why this isn't. Why are you not? That's the end quote. Why are you so afraid as an MP? Why are you so afraid, such a coward, to put your name on this? My really, my only suspicion is, is one is the backlash, the backlash, their leadership, their backlash. But playwright Jeremy O. Harris told BBC Sounds he was, quote, so excited to put on nights in the West End where tickets were only sold to people who identify as black. They got to love that. Can we take up a GoFundMe collection to get Rachel Dolezal over there for one of these things? I want to see how they handle her. Remember Rachel Dolan? She goes by something else now. I don't know what her name is, but she's still pretending to be black. And uh, she's also got like an OnlyFans page. So she's in the news for something. I'd say leave her alone. Uh, she's, who, who's going to hire her, honestly, at this point? So if people are willing to pay for her and she's able to support herself through OnlyFans and she can live with it, I don't really care. But let's send her over there. She can't be the only one. Let's take up a general collection and let's fill the audience with people who identify as black because that's all it is. Identify as black. Maybe I'll decide to identify as black, except I don't really have any desire to go see a crappy play about race and gender and sexual orientation and God knows what else. They don't even say it was Slave Play, written by Jeremy O'Harris, was a huge hit when it debuted in 2019, but it was also controversial with a petition to have it canceled. If it was a huge hit in 2019, it ain't that long ago, why isn't it still running somewhere? Why is this the first I'm hearing about it? I'm pretty sure Book of Mormon is playing on Broadway, and that's been there for a while. Andrew Lloyd Webber farts out anything, and it stays on Broadway for years and years and years, and in London for years and years and years. So I'm not sure how big of a hit it could be. According to The Guardian, some argued the play surrounding three interracial couples attempting to reinvigorate their relationships while role-playing being on a plantation made light of chattel slavery and left at least one audience member, quote, offended and traumatized. God, how pathetic. Of course, it apparently won or was nominated for a bunch of Tonys in 2021. Again, it made such a huge impact on the culture. Most people have never heard of it. Playwright O'Harris. O'Harris. He's a black guy. That doesn't sound like O'Harris. That almost sounds Irish. What's going on there? Is that cultural appropriation? Or is he just using his middle name? Because it's not O apostrophe Harris. It's just O and then Harris. So it's in middle name. Maybe he's trying to sound it. It's cultural appropriation, I tell you. Told BBC Sounds yesterday he was excited to put on uh, nights, blah, 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 only black people there. One thing, well, one thing we have to remember is that people have to be radically, or, uh, radically invited into a space to know that they belong there. And in most places in the West, poor people and black people have been told they do not belong inside the theater. Who told them this? Anybody? Poor people and black people. Don't you love the way they're always equated? Poor people and black people. There's a lot of rich, rich black people around. A lot of poor white people around. The reason poor people, then it's not that they're not invited. They'll let anybody in there who ponies up for the ticket. Maybe poor people don't want to waste their money on this stuff, and maybe black people have better taste 
than to go see the crap that uh, the theaters put out there. But anyway, let's get that collection going for Rachel Dolezal. I think that's the way to go. Let us move from racially segregated theater. I would honestly, we there should be some enterprising person out there who makes internet videos planning to do uh let's get Rachel Dolezal to this play. Let's get Rachel Dole. And then you got to also send in somebody who goes, no, I identify as black. Also send in some some Asians and see if they're booted out. Send in a Hispanic person. See how strict they are. If this is allowed to stand. I can't imagine it'd be allowed to stand. But the mentality is why I brought that up. The mentality, the progressive mindset metastasizes across the globe. It's not just across the country. It's across the globe. It is around the whole freaking world that these people exist. This perverse mentality that is destructive and divisive. And they go, remember, it is the Republicans. The Republicans who are uh, separating us. They just thrive on division. Now, black people this way, white people that way, Asian people over there. It is the Republican. Remember, we're doing this out of love, whereas Republicans divide out of hate. That doesn't doesn't make any sense. Just shut up and learn your place. If you are not with us, you are our enemy. Huh. Seems seems pretty absolute. It's like in, uh, what was it, the uh, Revenge of the Sith movie. They're like, you're either with me or you're my enemy. Only Siths speak in absolutes. Well, dude, that's an absolute. Let me just say that right there, that's an absolute. (laughs) I know. I'm a Star Wars nerd. I don't know what to tell you. But it is all true. Totally true. Anyway, if you watch the uh, news and you watch these people, I'll be curious to see the, the response. Now we have a situation in this country that is absolutely hilarious. God, I love it when these people are exposed as the frauds that they are. Gavin Newsom, good old Gavin Newsom, is uh, out there pushing the $20 minimum wage in fast food. They just raised their minimum wage in California and you go, ooh, that's not good. It's going to hurt some people. And then you come to find out that it's not going to hurt the people who help Gavin Newsom. You go, wait a second, what? All fast food, the minimum wage is twenty dollars an hour. It's got to. They got They made a lot of fanfare about this. Gavin Newsom, in fact, on September the 28th of 2023, we don't even have to get in the Wayback Machine go back that far, tweeted out a story from Forbes about this $20 minimum wage. He said, quote, New fast food workers in California will now be paid the highest minimum wage of any state in the country. I just signed a bill that will ensure these workers receive the fair pay they deserve. Putting aside the irony of the government mandating pay, thereby nuking the entire concept of deserve, he said unambiguously, 
these workers. They will be paid fast food workers. There was no asterisk. I'm looking at the tweet right now. There is no asterisk there leading to these exceptions. And the Forbes article was unambiguous. Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom signed a law Thursday that will ensure state fast food workers are paid at least $20 an hour, making it the highest minimum wage of any state in the country and a significant increase from California's current $15.50 rate, which had been scrutinized for falling below the state's living wage. Now, you got to love that. Why? How is it that the cost of living has gotten so high in California? I, uh, well, we invest. Let's hire people at $150 an hour to long-term study this issue and see why it costs so much, huh? Let's, let's add all sorts of mandates on things, make everything more expensive, and then we'll form the sit-around-and-scratching-your-butt committee to find out why it is things are more expensive. I don't get it. We artificially inflated the cost of half the things in the state. Why is everything else so expensive? Just It's a mystery for the ages. Markets, how does it work? Well, fear not. Not all fast food workers are going to get hit with this. If you are good to, or I guess I should say, if you were good, I assume you'll continue to still be good, to Governor Hairdo out there in California, you get a little exemption. It's a get-out-of-jail-free card. Get-out-of-responsibility-free card. Democrats have a lot of these things. It's very weird how they do this. They pass laws. They talk about how important it is that everybody do this, and then they exempt themselves from them. It's weird. It's very bizarre. The story from KTLA, Channel 5 out there in California, for those of you about to get surfing. Panera Bread is exempt from following one of California's newest laws, according to multiple reports. The new law will raise fast food workers' minimum wage to $20 an hour and will take effect beginning April 1st. They chose that date, I assume, unironically. You do have to laugh. The new law doesn't recognize places that operate, quote, a bakery that produces for sale on the establishment premises bread, end quote, as fast food, according to the law's texts. Now, that seems fairly innocuous, right? Well, it's a bakery. It's not a fast food restaurant. And you really have to wonder why is it that you are targeting fast food restaurants are people who work in bakeries who are not going to be getting this $20 minimum wage, do they get a special exemption when they go apply for housing? I'm looking at an apartment. It's a little expensive. You know that I bake bread, right? I'm not flipping hamburgers. I bake bread. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Here's the break bed bread rate. It's much, much cheaper. It's 25% cheaper, in fact. No, that's not how it works not how it works. So then why would places that bake bread be exempt, especially if they are a restaurant, not a bakery? You, you go to a bakery, you're not going to go to too many bakeries where they go, you know what? I'd like a sheet cake and I want it written on it. Happy Tuesday. And then you sit down and you eat the whole sheet cake. It doesn't work that way. Bakeries are you go in, you get what you're getting and you get out. Oh no, dozen donuts. And I'm going to sit down over there and I want you to treat it like table service at Morton's. Will you do that? Nope. They probably don't have tables, except for maybe a couple of places to wait 
for your order. But Panera Bread does. Panera is a sandwich, but it's a fast food restaurant. You go there and you can get your lunch. I've been to Panera. You go through the line, you get your food, you sit down. The process is just a little snootier than McDonald's, right? They have different uniforms. They try to pretend they're not fast food, but then they break their ass to make sure that you get through and don't hold up the line. Well, why? Why is Governor Newsom, why did they put this in there? Does does he hate the keto diet? No. Turns out that the CEO of Panera gives a lot of money to Democrats, including Gavin Newsom. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Says, uh, quote, that's part of the sausage making, uh, Governor Newsom said during a news conference when asked about the exemption. However, Newsom pushed for the exemption. People familiar with the matter told Bloomberg. One of the primary beneficiaries of the exemption is Greg Flynn, a billionaire and longtime Newsom donor who has two dozen Panera Bread locations in California. Huh? What? Flynn has also been involved in Newsom's campaigns, donating $100,000 in 2021 to help Newsom fight against the recall and $64,800 in 2022, which went to the governor's reelection campaign, according to The Sun. That's, that's a lot of bread, if you forgive the pun. Now, he's got a whole bunch of locations, Two dozen Panera Bread locations, if you just assume that he's got um, probably 20, I don't know, 20 employees per location. You multiply 20 by an extra $5 an hour times 40 hours a week times 20. You get a big number. You get a lot. Now, this guy's a billionaire. Why is he so great? Why would Governor Hairdo, who rails, of course, he was born incredibly rich. His father was the lead counsel for Getty Oil and then administered the Getty Charitable Trust. I only bring that up because I've heard Gavin Newsom talk about how he was raised by a single mom. He tries to make it sound like he was he was just this side of an orphanage. All they did was eat porridge and dirt cakes as kids. No. Your dad was chief counsel for Getty Oil and your parents got divorced. That's why you were a single mom. And uh, I'm pretty sure the child support was paid. Okay. Your dad was filthy rich. You also are filthy rich. And you haven't done a damn thing, by the way, except be in public life. So I suspect that that was inherited money. The most arrogant, worst, most insufferable people on earth are the ones who are born on third base and act like they hit a triple. That is Governor Hairdo. Anyway, it pays to be a friend of Governor Hairdo. Yeah, Panera Bread is exempt from following California's newest law. Flynn is uh, spending a whole bunch of money. Flynn denies that he played a role in crafting the bread exemption, Bloomberg reported. No, 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 no. That's weird, right? I didn't have any, I never once brought this up with the governor. No kidding, because you're not stupid. You hire people to lobby on your behalf. You hire people to whisper sweet nothings into the governor's ear. You don't have the text messages. It's just like the the Biden crime family. Like, There's no evidence of Joe receiving money from China, just Hunter. So obviously Joe did nothing. Well, there's evidence of, of Joe receiving money from Hunter right after Hunter received money from China. No, that's totally different. 
Totally different. See, that money went into Hunter's right pocket, and he paid. He gave Joe the money out of the kindness of his heart, out of his left pocket. Totally different money. Completely and totally different money. Yeah, you don't send the text messages to the, to your your paramour, the governor, going, "Hey, pal, you know how much this is going to cost me? We got to find a way to do. It. How about a, a soup workaround? Now nah, we can't do that because then Wendy's could argue that chili is a soup, and that would end up in the Supreme Court. We don't need that landmark of it. How about just baking bread? You can't go into a Burger King and ask for a bunch of their croissants, right?" Just give me a 12-pack. Can't do that. So good. We can screw them over. No other fast food joint is selling bread. The fact that you guys allow your bread, which is fine bread. It's good bread as far as bread goes. Since you allow that takeaway thing, that's good. Now you can go to Chick-fil-A. You can buy their sauce. You can buy all sorts. Nope. There's no nothing sauces. You can't buy their rolls, though. Although, there's the perfect out, isn't it? I guess the Subway you can't buy expect subway now that i'm thinking about this expect subway to start offering their their loaves of bread buy a loaf of bread they don't have to sell it they just bake it on the premise so they're already halfway there they've already got the equipment you just put some out for sale you put a price a dollar per loaf and they are exempt from having to pay 20 bucks an hour i would assume right that's not the spirit of the well, it, well. It's not the letter of the law, I suppose, but they uh, they could do that and get around it on a technicality because the law says a bakery that produces for sale on the establishment's premises bread. They all need to get those little ovens up there. That'd be how hilarious would that be? Now that I'm thinking about it, how hilarious would it be if they all got these little test the countertop ovens and they started making their buns there just for like one sandwich we'll make the specialty sandwich we'll sell two of them a week but we'll have the thing and we'll put together a four pack of buns and it'll be five bucks hell make it 20 bucks so it never sells so you don't have to bother making it all that often it just sits on the counter and when it turns green you go all right it's time to make another set of hamburger buns let's do it get around this whole thing and turn this whole favoritism, this whole crony capitalism on its head. Everybody take it. Now that I'm thinking about it, this is brilliant. I got to probably need to stretch out my shoulders a little sore, but I'll pat myself on the back for that one. That I think is the way to go. God, I should be paid to lobby on behalf. I don't even, you don't even need to be paid to lobby on this. You let the liberals carve out the exemptions that they think will only apply to their friends. And then you find a way to get in behind them. You know, they open the door over there. Let's all climb in. We're all bakeries now. Welcome to. I want a sandwich on McDonald's bread. There's nothing. Rem- McDonald's could just make the. Because uh, if you, you notice, I never understood why it was there. The Big Mac, that third piece of bread in the middle. That's seven. I, I don't know why it's there. I, apparently, and I seem to recall as a kid vaguely. The hamburger themselves, the patties, being a little bit bigger. But they always had that bun of separation. I've never seen that bun of separation in the wild. They could sell that little bun hockey puck for 50 cents each. And they would be exempt and they would save billions of dollars. Hit me up, McDonald's. I'll save your West Coast operations. 
As we move to wrap it up here, I want to play you a little bit of audio here. AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you see. Hey, she's AOC. You got to say it with an accent. Can't call her Lexi. Can't call her Alex Cortez. Can't call her Sandy Cortez, which she called herself in college. It was different then. She wasn't, she wasn't woke then. Now she didn't find it useful. Now she finds it useful to embrace. Embrace. She's, you got to love it. All these people are like, "We, I have my skin color. I am my ethnicity. It's so important to me." And then you go and marry a white guy. What are you? What are you doing? What are you doing? I don't. I. She's not married yet, but like the former president of Harvard, Claudine Gay. The grievance industry. She made a lot of money in the grievance industry. Married a like a Zeta male white dude. Huh. That seems weird. Oppression of white people. I, if I really believed I would was being oppressed by another race, I would probably at least be hesitant to date somebody from that race, thinking they're trying to oppress me. Right? Just me. Anyway, AOC was upset. You see, Hunter Biden went up to Capitol Hill yesterday behind closed doors. And uh, he was there for about seven hours after the first hour. This is just one hour of testimony. The Democrats, which who weren't really in the room, they decided to convene a press conference. At the time when they were supposed to be asking their questions, oddly enough, they didn't. They asked about 20 minutes worth of questions. They had an hour. They took about 20 minutes because they don't care. They don't care. That part isn't reported that they didn't use their time. They didn't ask any questions because they didn't care. They don't care. It's more about when they ran out to talk to the cameras because, you know, these proceedings, these depositions are supposed to be confidential. So, of course, Democrats went out and held press conferences every couple of hours. Well, AOC was whining about poor Hunter's testimony. See, there's no better person on the face of the earth than the guy who has forced relations for money with sexually trafficked Eastern European women. Am I right? I'm pretty sure about that. He's probably in line for a Nobel Peace Prize. Let's listen to good old AOC. Uh, What we just witnessed over the last hour was, I think, a deep sea fishing expedition because the Republican case has completely fallen apart over the last several weeks. Um, After it's been exposed that that the critical, you know, one of their most uh, key pieces of information was based on a source that was in communication with Russian intelligence, they are now trying to scramble to find anything um, to substantiate their fairy tale is what we should call this. Um, but I think more disturbingly, what we are seeing is is just a complete uh, and, and inappropriate expedition into uh, the president's son and for matters and subjects that are completely unrelated to an impeachment investigation. And I think it is extremely disturbing to see the lack of professionalism, the lack of grounding, and the abuse of public resources. Oh, she's just tore up about it. The abuse of public resources when they they could be given to left-wing groups actively fighting the government to violate our sovereignty by welcoming in every illegal alien in the world. The way she fills her silence is, um, um, um. It's like the last syllable of ma'am. It's a sign of a lack of intelligence. That and, well, pretty much everything she says. You got to love it. What we just witnessed there in the last hour, you mean the first hour? You mean this is the time when you're supposed to be asking questions? You're not even, you have no questions at all? Nothing? 
Nothing at all. I don't care. There's no answer to any question that could make me change my mind. Oh, okay. Well, good to see you're very t- You can't even entertain the prospect? Then do you know how it is that the Biden family made $24 million? How many shell corporations do you and your fiancé have? Because the Bidens have a couple of dozen. How does it, what is it that you do with your shell? You don't have any shell corporate? Do you know anybody with a shell? Actually, that's probably an unfair question. A lot of her donors probably do. She was uh, just an example. This is how the left looks at this thing. They are incurious, uncurious, disinterested in the prospect of it. They come out, well, their, their main witness is a Russian. Uh, it, it was talking to Russian intelligence. Maybe, just maybe, that was because for the decade that he spent being an FBI informant, part of what he was informing on was the actions of Russian intelligence to the FBI. I mean, they they thought it was worthwhile to pay him tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars over that ten years. So it's it's not like it's just just some guy. It's weird. He was talking to Russia. That was kind of why they paid him, right? He's he's a Russian guy. He's a source for the FBI on Russian activity in the United States. Wouldn't he want him talking to Russian intelligence? I realize the second word in Russian intelligence is, you know, kryptonite to you people. But, you know, some Democrat somewhere has got it because she's standing right next to Eric Swalwell. That's what's really funny is you sit there and you, you remember that line from Ruthless People. This may well be the dumbest man on the face of the earth or dumbest human on the face of the earth, whatever it is. Yet you're inclined to say that when you hear AOC speak. And then you look at the wider shot and you go, well, she's standing next to Eric Swalwell. OK. Yeah. All right. She's not. Number two, she's on the podium, right? The silver is nothing to sniff about. But uh, she doesn't get the sash and the crown and the gold. That goes right to good old Fang Fang's concubine. God, this is the best Democrats come up with. This, this, This is it. It's amazing we've survived as a country this long. Anyway, that is enough for today. And as a matter of fact, that's enough for this damn week. To hell with this week. It's Friday. Let's go have some fun. I realize that it's technically Thursday for me and Joe Biden's going down to the border and blah, blah, blah. And we'll talk about that on the Week in Effort Review, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com. Or you can just email me, DerekAllenHunter at gmail.com saying, hey, send me one. And there are some people who subscribe, just pay through PayPal, and I email it to them. They actually get it on Friday afternoons because... When I'm done recording it, I send it out. It's a low, lower quality audio version, but they get the whole show. Whatever it is, just uh, I want to be I want to be your COVID. I want to get into your blood system, and you'll become addicted to it as it should be. And yeah, we'll cover Biden's border visit. Should he actually do or say anything that is newsworthy, which he probably won't. He's just uh, my prediction right now. Here's my analysis. Joe Biden goes down to the border, witnesses the destruction that he and his policies hath wrought, and bitches and whines about it's all Republicans' fault. There you go. That's it. He offers no solution, just complains, and then hobbles back onto Air Force One and probably goes off to a fundraiser somewhere. Because why? Because that's what kind of a garbage human being he is. Anyway, there you go. You have it. We'll be back here on Monday with a new show that won't be... 
you know, this nerdly show because lawyers suck. God, this radio is such full of awful, awful people. Anyway, have a great one. See you then. Thanks. Thanks.